are tuning in to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. My name is Bree, and you can find me at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. Check out the show notes for more information, including a link to my website. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. I am so excited for today's session. We are in session number four, the final session of the series from my Intro to Yoga 101 workshop series that I hosted at the beginning of this year online. And I am so excited to have been able to share these four sessions with yoga podcast listeners. Today, we are going to discuss the root to rise concept in yoga asana practice as well as neutralizing your spine and pelvis and stabilizing your body in standing postures by understanding the fundamentals of Tadasana or mountain pose. There are also lots of tidbits that are sprinkled throughout today's session. We talk a little bit about the spiritual vibration of Sanskrit, as well as the rest and digest concepts, why Shavasana is so important. And overall, I hope you've had a chance to listen to all four sessions. A link to the past three sessions can be found in today's show notes. Thank you so much for allowing me to publish part of this workshop on yoga podcast it has been such an amazing turnout thank you for all of your feedback i hope for many of you this was a great introduction for you to begin your practice of yoga as well as those of you who just were looking for a refresher or some new interesting information that you can add to your lifelong practice it has been my pleasure i look forward to hosting more online sessions that i can introduce to you the listener so that you can go through a full introduction to yoga series with me in the future but for now I'm grateful to be able to have this be a part of your practice. Please enjoy. Thank you, thank you, thank you again. Namaste. Welcome. So excited about today's lesson as we continue on our Yoga 101 journey. Find yourself seated. We're going to begin by grounding our energy, preparing the mind and the body for today's lesson. Find yourself in easy pose. If it is in your practice, I invite you to soften your eye gazes, perhaps closing them all together. Relax your shoulders. And then let's begin to ground from the root to the crown. So allow the tail to really ground its energy into the earth. I love to invite visualization into my practice. So you can begin to think about yourself rooting like a thousand year old tree beneath the earth's surface. Feeling the root of your tail, or as we call it in yoga, your mula, your mula bandha, this root lock energy center, which we will talk about in a future lesson. But for now, imagine that you're rooted into the earth and then begin to allow those roots to come through your mula, up your spine, and begin to slowly make its way, lifting through the crown of your head like an invisible stream coming from the crown to the sky, lifting you up as if you're floating over the surface. 
Now, as you feel your spine begin to become more engaged, of course, your shoulders are going to relax down your back as your heart begins to lift up. And then pay attention if, you, if your chin is starting to rise. You don't want to be exposing your throat or having your nose pointed toward the sky. It's all about creating this neutralizing of the spine all the way through. So not tucking your chin into chest, but not lifting it high into the sky. And all of which I just explained will transcend into today's lesson. But for now, begin to find your breath, feel your balance, taking a deep inhalation through your nose and slowly allowing the escape through your mouth. Take a few more deep inhalations and exhales. You're going to slowly begin to allow the breath to inhale through the nose and you're going to not press the lips all the way closed but rather allowing a gentle crease between the lips as the air begins to escape the lungs. There are so many different variations of what we call yogic breath or pranayama. Prana reminding us of that life force energy coming through the body. Ujjayi breathing is creating this heat from within. And this is the most common type of pranayama during the asana, the physical movements of the body. You begin to make this ocean-like wave from the back of the throat, which we've discussed. And it can take some practice, but if you can whisper, you can do it. But as you begin on your journey, do not get caught up, focused, or begin to evaluate or judge your breathing. Just trust. Trust that your body in its infinite wisdom will begin to calm the nervous system and begin to engage in this type of work. Over time, as you begin to get more and more proficient with the mind-body connection through yoga, you would begin to study your breath and how you are able to engage in these deep inhalations and exhales. Take three more rounds. And when you are done, I invite you to just wiggle your body in any way that feels good, whether you're tilting your head from side to side, right ear to right shoulder, left ear to left shoulder, or you're drawing your hands up toward the sky and then down toward the earth, or twisting, looking just over your right shoulder and then just over your left, maybe moving your body like the ocean, just release any pent-up energy that is in the spine. 
And then when you are ready, take your time. I want you to find yourself on all four tabletop, which we've already discussed in a previous lesson. So you know exactly what to do. Bringing your hands just under your shoulders, your knees just under your hips. And then from here, we're going to tuck our toes, lift the knees, press from the palms of the hands, draw the hips up toward the sky into downward facing dog. If it feels good to pedal it out or shake your head from side to side, from yes, to no, then honor that. And then slowly take your time and start to walk your toes toward your hands. And when you arrive, you'll find yourself in a forward fold. Have your knees slightly bent and focus on the neutralization of the spine. We're going to slowly start to half lift. So we're gonna draw the fingers, the tippy of the fingers, all the way to the knees or to the shins. Lift halfway, take your eyes a little bit forward and then exhale, allow yourself to fold forward again, keeping a slight bend in the knees. This is not about touching your toes, but rather about the spine, as most things are in yoga. And then as you really bend your knees here, where your belly is just about resting on top of your thighs, as you spread your toes and press from the bottoms of your feet, I want you to gently start to roll up. As is commonly said in yoga, one vertebrae at a time, but inch by inch, slowly rolling up so that your head rises last into a standing posture. And we do this just so we can slowly allow the blood to flow back down. As we were upside down in an inversion, your head was just below heart. And as you rise, inhale and allow your hands to lift up toward the sky, stretching the body nice and long. And then exhale, draw the hands down by your side. Let's do another inhale, lift your hands all the way up toward the sky. Exhale, draw your hands back down toward your side. Let's take a moment here and let's draw our hands into prayer, bringing the right palm toward the left palm and drawing them together. I want you to think about when your hands are in prayer together like this, like you're bringing the left part of your brain and the right part of your brain together like you're drawing in the divine feminine and the divine masculine energy centers together. The mind and the body coming together. Your consciousness and your subconsciousness together. Creating two halves into a whole. Take a moment here and set an intention for your practice, for your lesson, for your learning, for your journey into this world of yogic philosophy and practice as a student. Remembering your why is going to be one of the most fundamental parts of being a yoga practitioner. Now your why will change over time, but always acknowledging and understanding it is extremely important. And what I love about the lessons of yoga as a student is they work everywhere on and off of the mat alike. Just like anything else, I believe that understanding your why is extremely important. Everything we do in life, if we can just stay tuned in to our own personal why, you will find that the motivation 
the determination, the consistency, the discipline will follow. And not from a place of perfection, but quite the opposite, from a place of being present. Present over perfection. So as you find yourself in this standing posture with your hands together, take a few deep inhalations and I will give you silence for your own self-discovery and intention. Inhale your hands high up toward the sky, lengthen and stretch the spine. Exhale your hands down back by your side. Now let's talk about the standing posture of mountain pose, or in Sanskrit, Tadasana. Now Sanskrit, I just want to jump in for just a moment is a very, very ancient language. Some believe, and I would agree with, that it is a very spiritual language. It has a vibration. There's this magic about Sanskrit, and it's very sacred. And it is Something that I work really hard to be careful as a student of this beautiful philosophy to honor. And when I'm teaching Yoga 101, I tend to teach it with only a tad bit of Sanskrit, partly because as Sanskrit is not my first language, <laughs> or even my third. And it's something that I do recognize as being very important to many disciplines under the umbrella of yoga, asana practice. And it's very important to chanting and other vibrational work. Personally, I'm mindful of the words that I'm very comfortable with in Sanskrit, that I'm on the same vibration with, and those that I'm still a student of and want to study over time. So as you go on your journey, I want you to think of Sanskrit as being a very powerful tool that you should honor and respect. If it's something that you're very drawn to, then lean into that. And if it's something that intimidates you, then respect that. Don't fear it, but rather embrace your lack of knowledge. So with that, mountain pose is one of those very fundamental postures in yoga. There are a set of fundamental postures that all build. One of the things I love about asana practice, and if you're standing here now and this is becoming complicated for you for any reason, then use a prop, whether it's a chair, a wall, or you can find yourself seated. I'm going to do a little bit of lecture here for a moment, but if you stay standing and you need to fluctuate from side to side or pace a little bit, then do it. It's good for the joints to keep them lubricated if you if your body allows. So one of the things that I love about mountain pose, as I was saying, is it is a fundamental posture. When we first began yoga today, we started off in easy pose. Now, easy pose, tabletop posture, dandasana or staff pose, which is a seated variation of mountain, and shavasana, are all extremely fundamental in addition to down dog because down dog allows you to transition between all of what I just mentioned. So one of the things you're going to notice about asana practice, the postures of yoga, is that 
They are building blocks. Everything is built upon another. So if you can master tabletop, and by master, I mean really truly understand how your body shows up in that posture. Tabletop and down dog will help you go from standing postures to seated postures. And so those are really fundamental and that's why I spent a lot of time on that lesson. As we will talk about mountain pose and staff pose and hopefully we will get to Shavasana in today's lesson so you can see those building blocks. So we started off in easy pose and we rooted from the ground to the crown, right? From the earth to the sky, root to rise. So everything always starts with whatever's touching the earth. So if you're in standing, your feet are touching the earth. If you're in seated, in traditional seated, without a prop like a chair, then your root, your mula, your bum is what's touching the earth. If you're on all four, your hands, your knees are touching the earth. If you're upside down, then possibly just your hands are touching the earth. If you're in down dog, your hands and your feet are touching the earth. So whatever's touching the earth is what you need to root first. So you never root from the head down. You always root from the bottom up, root to rise, earth to sky, okay? That's why we use the visualization of a tree because the roots are way beneath the earth's surface and then they begin to sprout just above the earth and they're looking for the sun and so are you, okay? So as you find yourself standing, I want you to think about all that we have just discussed. And I want you to think about the bottoms of your feet as they're pressing into the earth currently. Okay. And whenever you're just standing, rather it's just talking to someone, standing in line at a store, you're typically leaning onto one side of the body over the other, finding comfort. But in yoga, we want to do everything with great intention. So now, if you're not standing, I invite you to find yourself back in your standing posture. Take your time and arrive. Let's inhale our hands up towards the sky just to lengthen our spine. Exhale our hands down by our side. So first things first, we're going to find a neutralized pelvis. Okay? Now there are many school of thoughts and teachings on how to get hair, but I am a former professional dancer and dance teacher. So I'm going to teach you the way that I teach my dance students because I think it's important that you understand your body awareness and you know where your body is in time and space, okay? Now for some this is easy and for others it's a challenge and there are many reasons why it's hard to understand where your body is in time and space and to have that awareness. Reasons from trauma to just never having ever thought about it, okay? So first things first is I want you to bring your feet up just a bit wide, wider than your hips. So not as wide as your mat, but definitely wider than your hip stamps. So you're gonna look a little bit more foundational and structured from the ground to the top, so an upside down triangle, or just a triangle, I suppose. And bring your hands to your hips. So stand proud, hands around hips here. Now I want you to take your right hip to the right, and then your left hip to the left, and then bring it back center. With your hands on your hips, bring your left hip to the left, your right hip to the right, and then bring it back center. Now I want you to draw your pelvis forward, so tucking in your tail, 
and then pushing your tail behind you, so like a duck, and then drawing it center. With your hands on your hips, I want you to twist and push your pelvis and your hips clockwise, so make it a big circle clockwise, drawing your tail in and then pushing your tail out, just like you did when you were a child, and then bring it back center. Notice if your glutes are still tough and release them. Now we're gonna take it on the opposite side, making that big circle with your hands on your hips and then bringing it back center. Now I'm gonna speed it up. Hips to the right, to the left, to the front, to the back. Make it a circle clockwise and then counterclockwise. And when you're done, draw it center. Okay, so now we have a little bit of a fill of our bodies. So now I want you to take your right hand and place it just on top of your belly button, palm facing in. Now I want you to take your left hand and draw it behind your back, palm facing out, so knuckles facing in. And now you've sandwiched your belly in between your hands. Now I want you to draw your hands a little bit further down, so now your hand's not over your belly button anymore, but just below. Now from here, I want you to start to draw your pelvis forward, tucking in your tail, and then pushing your pelvis down, pressing your tail behind you like a duck, and then bringing it back neutral. Okay, so now I'm going to use a very popular example. This is not meant to be the end-all, be-all lesson on neutralizing your pelvis. This is just a really great way to visualize the idea, okay? So I want you to imagine it is raining and you're trying to collect that rain and then dump it on the flowers just below. So with your hands exactly where we last left them, I want you to begin to tuck your tail in, lift your pelvis up as if it's catching the rain, and then slowly start to bring it back neutral and then dump it onto the flowers, pressing your tail out behind you. Then bring it back neutral. So now we're going to discuss it by utilizing the clock. So now you're going to keep your hands where they're at and you're going to tilt your pelvis up toward 12 o'clock, collecting the rain. And then you're going to dump it by pressing the pelvis down to six o'clock, pressing your tail out behind you, releasing the rain onto the bed of flowers. And then neutralize your spine. So I want you to pay attention to what your spine feels like neutralized. Try to release your glutes here as they might be engaged. Now inhale your hands up toward the sky. Exhale, draw your hands down toward your sides. Bring your feet together all the way, almost to where your big toes are touching if possible. Now go ahead and draw the bottoms of your feet about hip distance apart. If you feel unstable, you can always draw them further apart just as we were. Remembering that the wider your stance, the more stability you have, right? The closer your feet are together, the less stability you have. And that is true throughout your entire practice, no matter what posture you're in. But for now, let's bring everything about hip distance apart. Unless you need more stability, of course. And then I want you to soften your gazes, if not close your eyes altogether. I want you to begin to imagine the roots growing from the bottom of the earth all the way up through your legs. I want you to feel that stability that the roots are affording you. Now beginning from root to rise, I want you to start to lift your toes off of the earth and attempt to drop them one by one, spreading them as you go. Sometimes this is a visualization and you're not able to actually physically accomplish this feat, but over time you will get what we call yogi toes. 
where they become so engaged that you can practically eat with them. <laughs> and that was one of my favorite things as a practitioner of yoga is to watch myself get more and more in tune with my yogi toes. You're going to begin to feel each toe pressing into the earth with great engagement. Start to press the pads of the bottoms of your feet all the way from the heel and each side, each point, from pinky toe to big toe to heel, press into the earth. Even if it's just mindfully. Start to rise to the ankles and find your knees and slowly and gently begin to put a slight gentle bend in them. We never want to hyperextend our knees ever. If you are double jointed, extremely flexible, you want to be really mindful of this. The goal in yoga is not to have extreme flexibility. The goal in yoga is to find balance. So if you're really inflexible, we're going to lean toward more flexibility. And if you're really flexible, we're going to lean toward more strength and structure. Now I have many episodes on yoga podcasts about topics such as these, especially in the first year or two of the podcast where we broke down postures and different ideas and concepts. And please do check out the link in today's show notes where I link you to some really important Yoga 101 past episodes on my website. From here, I want you to begin to allow that energy of the roots to begin to come up through the back of your legs. And I want it to stop around the glutes. This is where you really wanna make sure your glutes are not too tight and you're not focusing all your energy there. Our glutes tend to tighten up when we are looking for stability. So if we feel like we might fall or we're not strong enough to stand in this very engaged posture, the glutes will engage themselves. So we want to just encourage them to relax and you can do that by simply thinking it. Now from here, you're going to find that neutralized pelvis. And if you need to draw your hands either to your hips or just below the belly button, the way we did where we sandwiched the belly. I always do this myself, even though I've been practicing yoga for a long time, I still create a neutralized pelvis by drawing my hands just below my belly button and my other hand on my lower back, and then I go to 12 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and neutralize. And this will serve you well when you're in Warrior 2 as well, which we will discuss in a future lesson. From here, I want you to begin to imagine the size of your body lifting. So. Instead of thinking about your spine becoming straight, I want you to think about the sides of your body just lifting. This will instinctively create a neutralized spine. And then from here, draw your shoulders down and out of your ears, down your back where your shoulder blades are sort of looking for each other as if they're looking to kiss. I want you to lift the armpits up and draw the shoulders down and back. And again, these are all very subtle cues where we're not technically doing it, right? No one can see it from the outside, but the body in its infinite wisdom can envision and just this simple guidance of your mind will make that mind-body connection. And that is why the mind-body connection is a thing. As you draw your shoulder blades together, 
bringing the shoulders out of your ears. You're going to slowly feel the neck lengthen. Bring the heart through center as if it's pumping forward. This is a very powerful posture in itself. And if you ever experience trauma or you just feel a bit insecure or vulnerable, you tend to encapsulate your heart into your chest by drawing your shoulders into a rounded forward posture, which unfortunately rounds the spine, creates really poor posture and draws your heart in, which also makes it a little bit more challenging to breathe. And we do all this instinctively and naturally without even realizing it. So our goal in yoga is to create that strength and that structure and that confidence in the body, which actually sends a signal to the nervous system that you feel really safe, secure, powerful, which opens up your lungs, enhances your breathing, releases anxiety, and really does illuminate your self-esteem. And the more repetitive that you do these types of postures, which is why mountain pose is one of my favorite, if not my favorite posture, because it is so fundamental in so many ways, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Just taking mountain pose every single day for me has been monumental as a student and as a teacher. Feeling the strength of a mountain, begin to feel that energy of the neck lengthening and that string that we discussed at the beginning of the lesson as it lifts the crown toward the sky like you're floating up. This will begin to increase the flexibility of the spine, the strength of the spine, the strength of the core and the back, and allow you the opportunity to focus on breath. Now again, we do not want the chin and nose toward the sky or toward the earth. As Goldilocks said, it's just right. <laughs> so your nose is just forward. Maybe you have a little slight tuck of the chin, just a smidgen, which takes a little bit of practice. You want to be able to freely be able to breathe ujjayi breath or other forms of pranayama. Now I begin to open the eyes. And from here, we, we tend to want to do what we call in yoga, dristi. Dristi is where you are in time and space, just like we discussed with body awareness. Some people like to think of this as creating a focus point or focal point. And that's a good and basic way to begin to learn dristi. For instance, if you're balancing on one leg, like in tree pose or warrior three, you might want to take your eyes to a spot on a wall or on the floor or on your mat. And this starts to train you to ignore, for lack of a better word, all else that's happening around you for you to get into your own zone. But as we advance into our practice, even if the, we're still doing a basic tree pose variation, the advancement is your dristi and your pranayama. So it's not about being upside down on two hands and handstand. It's about breathing intentionally while in dristi. And let's say you could be in mountain pose or balancing on one foot. And depending on what your mind is doing, what your breath is doing, that will depend on how advanced 
of a practice you are engaged in. Never forget it. So Drifty is being in this time and space, and as mentioned, you can start off by just looking at a point. But ultimately, what you want to do is begin to look within. And how do you do that? Well, you begin to look off of the tip of your nose or off the tip of your fingers. There's a space that you can begin to envelop yourself in. So if you have your hands in front of you and they're reaching because you're in warrior three, your drifty can be just off the tip of your fingertips or off the tip of your nose or toward the belly button or off the tips of your big toes. It's this inner awareness that you begin to engage in. The drifty. So in mountain pose, I like to take my drifty just off the tip of my nose where I can almost see my nose through my eyesight. I focus on my breath so that I'm not incidentally holding it and causing myself to raise my blood pressure, become dizzy, and possibly even nauseous, but rather I'm engaged in my practice, creating a mindful meditative state of being. Now begin to draw your hands, palms facing forward, fingers spread, and take them in an upside down V as they begin to reach from your sides with sort of like jazz hands, palms facing forward, fingertips facing down toward the earth. Taking the full expression of mountain pose here, lifting energy through your armpits, shoulders down, yogi toes engaged, knees soften, pelvis, the entire pelvic girdle neutralized. And feel the power of Tadasana, mountain pose, feeling the strength coming from within. Now inhale your hands all the way up toward the sky. Allow your eyes to follow. Exhale, take a gentle back bend. Inhale, lift. Exhale, slowly start to swan dive all the way down toward the earth. Hands looking toward the mat. Inhale as your hands start to graze your shins all the way up to your knees, neutralizing your spine. Exhale, back to forward fold. Bend your knees, hands to the earth. Slowly step all the way back to plank. Drop your knees back to tabletop. And then slowly find your way into a seated posture. From seated easy pose, we're gonna bring those legs out in front of us. And we're going to do the seated variation of mountain pose. And you're going to do ex everything you just did, but now seated. So before we begin, your feet are out in front of you and you're sitting down on your towel. From here, I want you to think about just watching TV. Typically you have a rounded spine, your shoulders are coming forward, your heart is encapsulating. You won't be able to sit in this posture very long. You'll begin to get very uncomfortable. Your tail will hurt, your legs will fall asleep. Now we're going to go into Dandasana or staff pose. And I want you to think about the difference, just like you did standing. When you're standing in mountain, that is very intentional versus just standing. So now when you're standing at the top of your mat, the beginning of a class, you're not just standing, are you? You're in mountain pose. Rather, the 
teacher or instructor guide you there or not, you need to put yourself in position. We're never just standing. We're never just seated in yoga. So from this seated posture, I want you to begin to root to rise. So we're gonna start with the tail as it is the thing that is rooted. It's either your tail, your feet, or your hands, or a combination of feet and hands, such as in down dog, that are acting as the root to rise. So from your tail, you begin to imagine the roots growing beneath the earth surface and you begin to really engage the tail into the earth here. Now you might have a slight curvature in your lumbar spine, your lower back, and then you can test your pelvis tilt here too to neutralize it, even in this posture. Now for those of you who have a tough time sitting erect like this, you can lean up against a wall, or you can even sit on a block or bolster. But for the purpose of today's lesson, if you can just give me five minutes of your energy, it's important that you know, at least mentally, what this is supposed to look like and feel like in the body, okay? So your root is into the earth, your legs are out in front. So now we've rooted the tail, let's go ahead and start from the feet. Your toes are not going to be just flopping to the sides, you're going to press them up toward the sky. As if you have a wall or a block or something on the other side of your feet or someone is leaning up against them. Toes are going to come toward the nose just to release any tension that's possibly starting to accumulate in the knees. Anytime you point your toes, you'll, if you point your toes away from you right now toward the end of your mat, you're engaging your knees. If you flex your toes toward your nose, you're releasing the knees. So from here, the toes are pointed toward the nose. You're gonna have a slight bend in the knees or at least just soft knees. As you feel the roots coming all the way through the legs, I want you to pay attention to the eyes of your knees. If they're splaying out to the right and the left, I want you to start to draw them toward each other. So an internal flexion of the thighs here. So everything's starting to draw in. The hips are starting to come in, the thighs, the knees, the toes are pointed up toward the sky and then toward your nose. And you have this strength that's coming through the legs now. So again, internal rotation, which I normally talk about in standing mountain pose as well. When you're standing, you also are looking for this internal rotation. And it's very subtle. You can really notice it in a seated posture over a standing posture. But when you get an opportunity to be in mountain pose again, you'll notice that it's sort of instinctive to do an internal rotation when you have a neutralized pelvic girdle. And seated, it's a little bit challenging to neutralize your pelvis unless you're really intentional and understand that body awareness but it's much easier to do an internal rotation of the inner thighs, the hips, the knees. Remember when we learned about tabletop and we did the internal rotation of the elbows as well? This is that same concept. Internal versus external rotation. So from here, now your entire base is rooted and grounded into the earth. So we're going to begin to come up toward the hips. The lower back is now neutralized as we discussed when we grounded the towel. 
I want you to begin to follow the energy up the sides of the body, just as you did in mountain pose. Instead of focusing on the spine, focus on the side body. Lifting up through the armpits, then drawing the shoulder down and out of your ears. Bringing the shoulder blades together. Your hands are just going to rest by the sides. Depending on the length of your arms, they're just going to sort of float down and guide themselves toward the earth. Nothing really to do here. Your heart's going to pump through the body just as it did in mountain pose. You're going to feel very statuesque even in a seated posture. And then draw the energy through the neck as it begins to elongate. The string coming out the top of the head, lifting up toward the sky. And then slowly pay attention to what your nose and chin are doing as they are facing forward with a gentle slight tuck of the chin. Eye gazes just off the dristy tip of the nose. Find your breath. And then for an extra challenge, you can draw your hands to prayer center, noticing how that feels, and noticing if you instinctively encapsulated your heart, drawing your shoulders forward. Try to keep your shoulders back, heart lifted, and hands into heart center, and notice how that feels. Now, most of us cannot stay in a posture this intentional for very long, but this is essentially the entire purpose of yoga, is to be able to sit in easy pose, this intentional, in half lotus or full lotus, or any meditative posture, rooted, grounded, lengthened, and strong. Take a deep inhalation, inhale the hands up toward the sky, exhale the hands back to heart center. Inhale, hands up, exhale, hands back to heart. And now I want you to slowly relax the spine, allow it to do what it wants to do. It might curve or get rounded and then slowly start to draw yourself down to a lying posture. Now we're not gonna discuss everything that happens between a seated and a lying posture. We're gonna go straight to Sarvasana, corpse pose, lying pose. And the reason is, is I want to keep your Lesson focused on mountain Tadasana, staff Dandasana, and corpse Shavasana because they all share the same things in common. So as you find yourself lying down on your back, I want you to root to rise. So since your entire backside of your body is flattened into the earth, then just start with the feet all the way to the crown. I want you to envision what it felt like to be in mountain pose and bring that here onto the earth in Savasana. Now, once you allow the roots to grow from the bottom of your feet all the way to the crown, you look for intentional points from the toes, to the knees, to the hips, to the shoulders, to the crown. Once you've gone through and you've checked in with each part of your body, allow your body to melt into the earth and get comfortable. But Shavasana isn't about falling asleep. It's not really even about comfort. It's about intentional rest. It's allowing your nervous system to actually realize that everything you did leading up to this moment was intentional. See, our nervous system's entire goal, its entire purpose is to keep us alive. It only activates for that purpose, which means it doesn't know 
when we are being intentionally purposeful on an activity or if we are literally in fight or flight. So if you hold your breath because you're witnessing a car accident or you hear a loud noise, your nervous system percolates because it thinks it needs to protect you. So when your nervous system is activated, cortisol is released in the body, a stress hormone, which prepares your entire system for survival. Now it's really fascinating because if you do need to survive, your body has an entire ecosystem where all the cells of your body armor up, they, they get suited and booted, and they get ready for battle. And what happens on a cellular level? Well, the cells begin to store fat. They begin to store energy. That way, if you need to be awake for a longer than normal duration, your body has the fat that it needs to burn. It shuts off some pain sensories. It speeds up different productions in the organs and slows down others. And it's a magnificent system if needed. However, as you can imagine, the challenge is if we are stressed out about something that isn't life-saving, you're not truly endangered, then you're constantly suited and booted for a battle that never comes, then you're storing fat, you're not working at optimum level, your digestive system is going to be slower because it needs to be for survival. Your lungs are going to be pumping oxygen at a faster, more superficial surface level, which means your blood pressure is going to rise. And it is our job to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is what a practice like yoga does. It basically balances out the nervous system's fight, flight, or freeze responses. Now, if you are a mother, you have natural hormones that are activated so that you can protect the young. And so you have an even more heightened awareness. This is just biologically speaking. And there are many other examples that I can bring up, but the point is, is that we want the body to only fight when there is a true battle not for every little thing. So when you first start practicing yoga, if you're not used to standing this erect or you're not used to standing on one leg, I always tell my students, your body has no idea if you're on the edge of a cliff about to fall off when you're wobbling around on one leg in a yoga practice or if you're practicing yoga. So for those moments that you're insecure and unstable in the middle of a practice, your body is getting prepared for battle. Your cells are suiting and booting. So it is our job to focus on breath, and that's why it's so important, because it's a contradiction to the body if you are balancing on one foot, but you're not, you're not breathing erratically, right? If you're breathing intentionally and mindfully, 
but maybe a little bit wobbly on one foot, your body's going, wait a minute, they're wobbling on one foot and I can feel their nervous system revving up, but they're not nervous or scared or anxious or in fight or flight. They haven't activated the old brain, the old lizard brain, that amygdala. This is confusing me. They don't seem like they're in danger for their lives. So that's why that breath work is so important, even outside of yoga. Counting to 10 when you're upset, focusing on your breath when you're on a run. All of that's really important. So when you go into Shavasana at the end of a class, what you're doing is you're basically telling your body to memorize what we did today, that this was intentional, this is not scary. And what happens is over time, as you consistently practice yoga, it teaches your mind and body to connect on a very cellular level. And you begin to take this connection off of the mat as well. It's amazing. And if you allow your body to go into at least five minutes, five to 10 minutes of Shavasana per every 60 minutes that you practice, ideally, right? Then what you're doing is you are force activating the mind-body connection, which is why it's important that you never skip Shavasana. It's also equally important that you show up to class or you begin your practice with intention to center and ground your energy. Because what you're doing is you're creating a sandwich effect, which is why yoga is not just a physical practice. If you just want a physical practice, there are many, many ways to get there. Yoga is a mind-body practice mind-body-spirit practice. And we want to really encourage that practice because you are practicing this philosophy for well beyond being able to get into a handstand or move the body in cold pretzel-like positions or listen to good music during a flow. This is literally one of the most effective things you can, you can do for self, is have an intentional, understood, mindfully enhanced practice of yoga. And for me, in my experiences, what has come close to the benefits that I've experienced with yoga has been dance, intentional walking, running or jogging. Those have all had that same feeling that I get when I practice yoga. And the reason I think it is, is because when you are walking or running or jogging, you are focused on your breath, typically, in order to be able to make that connection and be able to, you're not gonna be able to run very far if you're not focused on your breath. You're not going to be able to sustain a sprint if you're not focused on the recovery of breath. So breath work, pratyama, is a huge factor. Also making that connection with the mind and body. When you're walking, you're grounding your energy. Walking outdoors, you're grounded, you're mindful, you're present, you're interesting. When you're dancing, you're creating this energetic field deep within self, which I believe is to creating 
that connection. So obviously, for me, I think a really great wellness program when we're just thinking about the mind and the body, when we're thinking about activating the parasympathetic nervous system, that rest and digest, when we are thinking about creating a lifetime of relief from within, we're thinking about creating a lifestyle that allows us to have long, grounded, mindful walks. We dance, we vibrate on that level, and we practice yoga from asana to pranayama to meditation to the philosophy on and off of the mat. And anything else you do in addition to can just be for fun. Playing sports, being in competition, teamwork, bodybuilding, lifting weights, strength training, all of that can be these beautiful complements to the foundation of raising your vibrations with dance, grounding your energy and your spirit with walking, and enhancing your mind and body on a cellular level through yoga. So that was today's lesson. I hope that this fundamental class on root to rise, grounding your energy from the earth to the sky, was really helpful and gives you such a valuable insight as to the why we do what we do in yoga. Thank you for allowing me to guide you through this lesson. Go in peace. Namaste. I am so honored that you are listening to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. Never miss an episode. Download the free app on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Please also rate the show with five stars. I would greatly appreciate that. Visit me on my website at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. I include free yoga sequences every single month. You can leave a comment or message me and we can connect. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful personal practice. Namaste.